0: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Nordic Arts Agency podcast, a podcast connecting emerging and established international artists and art influencers from around the globe. I'm your host Juliet, a British expat, art historian and gallerist based in Sweden. Every fortnight I'll be sharing a conversation with an artist or art influencer whose artwork or insight inspires me personally. This week, I'm delighted to introduce emerging British artist Victoria Curling-Eriksson, who is based in her studio in Viken, here in Sweden. Landscapes dominate Victoria's paintings, and her compositions are minimal, with multiple fine layers of oil, which develop the depth of colour and emotive modus of her work. To me, her painting is reminiscent of the Field painters, a movement embracing the gestural abstraction of Wilhelm de Kooning, Jackson Pollock and Mark Rothko. These painters blended elements of surrealism and abstract art in a unique expressive style. I've always been obsessed with Mark Rothko's work ever since I visited the Rothko Chapel, commissioned by John and Dominique de Menil in the 1960s. This irregular octagonal chapel in Houston has an interior entirely comprised of 14 black but colour-hued paintings by Rothko, which each vary depending on the light seeping into the chapel. A similar Meditative quality can be found in the subtle textures and tonal blendings found in Victoria's abstractions of landscape, which are compositionally simplistic, yet convey the complexity of nature. Victoria Curling-Erikson, thank you for joining me on the Nordic Art Agency podcast. Thank you so much, Juliet,
1: for inviting me to talk with you today.
0: Well, I apologise for aligning your work with Mark Rothko's Straight Out of the Gate It is slightly overwhelming, Victoria, I'm sure, but for those listening to the podcast who are unaware of your work, it is more of a suggestion of how the minimal compositions relate to the subject and your approach to your painting practice. When you view your own work or when you begin to develop your technique and experiment with material, who or what influenced your treatment of
1: landscapes and brushwork and your compositional technique? So, Gina, I'm a complete fan of Mark Rothko and I've been incredibly inspired by his artwork. So I would say that he's probably my greatest source of inspiration. Um, I love the way he works with his compositions, beautiful color combinations, luminosity, darkness, space, contrast of colors. So, I can safely say his works have been my greatest inspiration. Um, The features that I've described above are features I try to incorporate in my work developing techniques of luminosity so you can see different colours of shades coming from the layers beneath. My technique today has taken many different pathways and experimentation in order to find that style that I feel I'm most home with today.
0: It's strange that you cited Mark's work because we haven't discussed this at all Victoria. No I know that's absolutely. (laughs) And I, I was researching landscape or contemporary landscape painters when I was thinking about the aspects of your work which really resonated with me and so to hear that and and the similarities, as I tried to touch on, the comparison is not direct, clearly, but there are elements of it, which to me just felt very pure and very Rothko. Also the reduction, which is an essential component to your work and how you consider the landscape and the abstraction and colour fields you used to formulate the compositions to me was very Rothko. I particularly gravitate towards your compositions, such as Meadow, Field and Morning, These are simple landscapes where the subtlety of light is the dominant element. When you view a landscape, how are you impacted by the attributes of nature? And at what point does the reduction begin to form and the layers and the bands of colour develop?
1: So nature is my biggest inspiration of my work today. I love the ever-changing light and energy that changes every single day. So my process starts with actually being out in nature I have my daily walks on the beach or in the forest with Bruno, my dog. Uh, And on these walks, it's about taking in the essence of the landscape. That will be looking at the weather, whether the sky is a grey full of clouds or blue without a cloud in sight. So I'm very aware of the colours I'm seeing all around me, uh, the kind of light I'm seeing, whether that's from the sky or on the ground. I'm often down at the sea. I live right by the sea. So I'm lucky enough to have daily walks by the sea. And so I'm really aware, for example, if it's stormy, what colors am I seeing? How is the sea moving? What shades am I seeing? Or if it's calm like a mirror, uh, what am I feeling? What What am I seeing? Where is light falling? And then I take all this into my memory. So not just specified details, but more about the essence of what I've been observing when I'm looking at these landscapes so it's about capturing a feeling of a light and energy from nature. The seasons have a huge influence on my work and it actually took me some years to be really aware of this but I'm really aware now for example in the winter the palette that I will choose to use will be much more influenced and inclusive of whites, grays, beige, silvers Moving it moving back to autumn, I'll be painting with a much warmer palette. So I can clearly see that the seasons have a, a very large influence on the colour palette. And moving to Sweden has also influenced my impact of nature. I grew up in Bath, which is a beautiful city surrounded by flowing hills and lots of greenery. And that's also been an inspiration of many of my works. But moving to Viken um, in Sweden was the first time I've actually lived right by the sea. And that, for me, has a complete different energy. So one of calm, but also very powerful at times, a vast energy that you feel when you walk along the beach. So the Swedish nature and the very flat landscapes of the southern Sweden have been a great inspiration in my work.
0: Possibly that's why your work resonates with me so deeply, because I think you and I have actually had a very similar experience, as you know, Victoria, I'm from London, and I also live in southern Sweden by the beach. And exactly as you expressed, the seasons here are so much more defined. And the weather changes and the climate changes, you really can feel the very clear definitions between spring, summer, autumn, and winter, which I never really felt in London, or really living in the south of England. So I can totally Feel the emotional response that you have to that in your work and and possibly, as I say, that why it resonates so deeply with me. You actually began your career after you moved to Sweden in your 30s. um, and you actually attended an art school here in Sweden. So your personal evolution was through studying art in Sweden and then experimental research of materials and techniques. So you came to art relatively late in life. And I know from many of the artists that I've worked with, um, or I represent at the Nordic Arts Agency, artists who've established their creative expression and develop a dedication to their artistic practice after having previous occupations or different occupations, they often evolve with elements of their former career impacting their process subconsciously. So having a background like you, and you were actually involved with biotechnology, you possibly have a deeper understanding of the use of living systems and organisms. Do you see this previous life and knowledge informing your
1: compositions or your understanding of the natural world? Absolutely. So for me, it was a real um, journey moving over from a science background to an art background and actually both from observation, but also from coming from a very structured, almost black and white different slightly different world to a much freer world so that for me was a real transition and I can really clearly see that in my original works so after art school when I first really just started with experimenting trying to work out what kind of techniques I wanted to work with I could really see that the science structure was still in me and that in the preparation of my works they would be very prepared I would have sketches I would be very exact about distance between circles for example there was always a sense of structure and format uh, that was very much reflected I think from my previous career and this journey uh, has been really exciting for me because now I can see that I've moved much more from even though I have the, the science with me I've definitely moved to a, a freer technique now, where I actually um, I don't plan, I don't have structure, I don't I don't have to measure out anything or or have sketches before. I actually just paint intuitively with a different flow than I had originally coming from from the background I had. So, can you walk us through then your your painting
0: process? So now it's less structured. How would you begin to approach a new body of work? And what would be the stages from the beginning of feeling uh, inspired by possibly a landscape or a particular weather um, to the actual execution of
1: a painting? Absolutely. So when I start a new work now, I'm, when I come into my studio, I'm always reflecting on what is it that, that image or feeling I have in my mind, whether it's a picture I see or if it's a feeling I'm trying to capture. And I describe my painting technique as quite uh, painting intuitively because I'm not working from photographs or sketches. Um, I don't want to create something that is a reflection of an image or a reflection of a place. I want to create create something that could be anywhere. So that's how I start. So I'm not working with uh, sketches, Yeah, any kind of prepared work, can I say. I just paint. So... For me, it's always been my my preferred way is to, to actually start on a very dark background. I never like to start on a white canvas. So f- for me, that's really two reasons. One is that I paint a lot of skies that are predominantly white and I really don't want to see through a canvas. I want there to be a different level of, of depth so that when I create my layers of white sky, it, it has a different depth. Uh, and secondly, for me, There's something about starting on a black canvas that eliminates any stress of starting on something new. It's just an immediate, I can just start immediately without any thought of preparation. It just happens. Um, And so then my process is that I actually prepare a range of colors. I'm, I'm quite clear on the colors that I will want to work with. So I prepare the color palette. And scale, I've found that over the last few years that I, with the landscapes, I would prefer to work on a larger canvas. Uh, It gives me a little bit more room for expression. And that's how my my process starts. I literally just start. um, And then I will have... Uh, around about five paintings that I will paint on at the same time. And because I work in thin layers upon thin layers, I can rotate these paintings so that I can always come back to them when they're dry. That's how I work. And, And during my work, I will use a whole range of different equipment, whether that's different brushes, palette knives, scrapers, and I'm continually developing those new and different techniques within my painting to achieve different results. And I know I can get rather overexcited, perhaps even a little nerdy about finding new brushes or tools that I can use as part of my techniques.
0: Two aspects of your process there, which I think are are quite unique. I have a lot of artists, um, and I've worked with artists in the past, who rely quite heavily on f- photography. I think we're all so used to having our digital camera on our iPhone or with us at all times. A lot of artists really see this as a beneficial tool that they can then return to the studio and revisit the light or the moment that they capture on on the f- photograph. And I think it's quite interesting, Victoria, because that's definitely going to influence how much of an emotional response your painting represents for you. Because it's, as you say, it's an intuitive feeling that you just are going to re-exercise on the canvas. And equally starting with a black background or a dark grounding to the canvas, it's quite unusual. Some artists, um, I know, for example, Sarah Dare, one of my artists, she does tend to start with a darker colour in order to muddy almost the image and begin from an imperfect place. So I think that's interesting, and I would never have said that about your work. But now I do think you're right. It does definitely give the layers that depth the ability to sort of feel as though there's something beneath it, which I love. I'm also drawn to your works, which are most minimal. The series relating to the plain, very simple motifs with polychromatic tones gently graduating from one colour band to another. So the fields in the seascapes that dominate your painting and also the horizontal orientation of the canvas really lends itself to those vertical undulating layers of colour and texture. And I can imagine now you've, you've described all the tools that you use, I can understand fully why the larger scale would actually give you a really optimal ability to utilise those tools and to really build up those layers and textures. I'm also drawn to the modern rural quality in your work. There's always been a great tradition in the 18th and 19th centuries of rural landscape painters. And today, with the emergence of modern landscape photographers such as David Morgan Davies, the treatment of the contemporary landscape continues to evolve and be abstracted. There's also an abundance of meditative qualities which unfold in your simple, flat graduations of point-to-point colour divisions found in your composition. So your brush strokes are visible and undefined, diffusing muted basic colour elements, enforcing the minimal approach to your work. So when you approach a composition, do you begin with viewing the elements of the subject as separate attributes, or does the view resonate as one continuous emotive abstraction? Possibly you answered that question before, Victoria, but I imagine Mm. you're painting from memory. Are you painting aspects of the landscape, or does it just merge
1: into one emotive abstract composition? I would actually say it merges into one. Uh, because the whole time I'm working on both and I'm working to, even if there's a divide between a landscape and a sky or a seascape in a sky, I'm really working the whole time to keep them as some form of one. So other artists that I have found really inspiring for my work are, for example, Joseph Turner who uh, was once described as using oil paints in a broad and translucent manner to create scenes of vast light and colour, which I love, especially his ability to capture the light and the light that filters through his skies. that I find really inspiring. And one of my favourite paintings actually is a painting called Icebergs by Frederick Edwin Church, which I believe is in the Dallas Museum of Art. And that's a very large landscape format. And I love the simplicity in this painting and his ability to mute colours into each other so seamlessly with no clear divide. And I think that has been a real inspiration or something I strive for in my work, that, that there would be a sense that there's a sort of oneness between the the land and the, and the sky, or the sea and the sky. That there's a form of that you're just sort of being drawn into it as a, as a oneness rather than absolutely two separate entities.
0: I think you captured that brilliantly in in many of your compositions. And actually, the first time I we met, Victoria and I saw your work. Uh, it was very much that aspect which intrigued me. So I think we met initially in Stockholm in around 2018. When you were exhibiting as part of an art collective which you actually founded five years ago together with other artists and this collective has continued and you've exhibited together as a group several times and i believe you're actually seven artists today in the collective art collectives have existed throughout art history to support and share the mutual aims of emerging artists whilst acting equally as a hub for the exchange of ideas it was a brilliant idea for you at the beginning of your career really to to use that as a foundation and as a group how has your collective supported your formative years as an artist and what would you say to an emerging artist are the benefits found in being part of an art collective
1: yes thank you uh, we started with just the two of us originally and then we grew gradually slowly to seven of us and when we actually started our collective, it was very much about the kind of people as well as the art in it, because it was very important that we would create a group that, where we could support each other, we would be able to talk openly about anything, that we that there wasn't a sense of competition between us. We all have very different styles. We're quite an international group. For me, it's been wonderful to have a sort of sense of having colleagues so that Basically, we can bring anything to the table and it can actually be anything from practical questions around materials to places to exhibit or practical aspects, talking about things like social media and how we represent ourselves as artists. This has been a a great opportunity. And I think for us, it's worked really well that we haven't grown into a really large group. For us, seven has been... A wonderful number because it's always very it's very smooth for us as a group Um, and so I would say that that can bring very many benefits to artists that are starting out that have lots of questions and that don't necessarily have anyone that they can brainstorm with or have feedback with so I think this is a a lovely forum. I think the life of a
0: artist particularly an artist who is self-taught can be incredibly lonely, actually. And there's a great deal of constant self-reflection and self-assessment as to whether or not you're artist worthy. And then also exhibiting it as a solo artist in a singular format, I think is really intimidating. So I can see why, and I met some of your members of the art collective, and they all had this wonderful spirit of, as you say, being very supportive of each other. So I can see why that's sort of fundamental in order to take your career to the next level and be able to have the confidence in some ways to exhibit and sort of push the boundaries and the limits with with that element of safety in numbers in a way. And you have experienced increasingly a growing success in recent years, Victoria, as an independent artist, with more and more collectors acquiring your work in Sweden and internationally. During the pandemic, your painting has been very well documented in the international press in Magazines such as Vogue, World of Interiors, and most recently Condoness Traveller, art has become an essential element of these lifestyle publications. And your artwork has been selected and you have been cited as one of the contemporary artists featured time and again. When so much is digital right now, and more importantly, so much press and PR is digital, how important do you think it is to be an artist featured in printed lifestyle? Bibles, in a way, like these, these magazines are iconic, they are weighty, and often they're kept by readers for months and years. So how do they inform your profile as an artist? And how relevant is this acknowledgement to you? And does it hold a greater importance to you than, say, digital PR or Instagram success?
1: Thank you. I mean it was such an honour to be asked to, to to have some paintings shown in these magazines. And I think for me growing up with Vogue the World of Interiors, it's uh there's something very special about that as well, because they are, like you say, very iconic magazines. And I think for me there's something a little bit more permanent about having having work in the magazines, because as you said, these are often magazines you keep. You keep them, you look at them again, they're quite timeless. And even though I think social media, Instagram is a wonderful a, a wonderful media of getting out there and literally getting out there to the world, it's also quite instant because it's your pictures come up and they, they move on and, and new work comes up the whole time. And there is something rather a little bit more permanent, I think, about the magazines and actually holding them in your hand and, and spending that little bit more concentrated time looking at them.
0: Galleries and also artists having a, perhaps a sort of snobbery about the connection between interior design and art. I think for many years they were quite separate entities, and the idea of placing artwork in interiors and then that somehow engaging new art buyers wasn't really fully endorsable. Now I think, especially Instagram and Pinterest, I think they've they've revolutionised the idea that it's incredibly important for an artist to have a profile that sits in parallel with interiors and interior design magazines and interior design influences because ultimately as a commercial artist you want to see your work visible in spaces and places be it restaurants or people's homes in private collections so I I, for me I think it's a, a great endorsement firstly to be in such a publication but I do think it's also important as an artist in the stage in your career to really embrace all of these opportunities to see your art being really visible and really enjoyed and publicized in a way that's really elegant and shows it for um, the locations and the the ways in which it could be used in people's lives and I think that's really relevant and in in some ways a different challenge for a gallerist now (laughs) ultimately. (laughs) I'm delighted to announce that we will be working together, Victoria. You will, in fact, be the first landscape painter signed to the gallery and the Nordic Arts Agency will be representing your work in Scandinavia. This November, we should be launching our fourth art pop-up in collaboration with Hansa in Malmö as part of the Hansa Loves Art concept. For me, this is especially important as we shall be hosting the exhibition in an incredible new gallery location – set in over 800 square metres of stunning exhibition space over two floors. The exhibition will mark the fifth year of the Nordic Arts Agency running such large-scale events featuring international art, photography and sculpture. And I'm thrilled that you will be taking part in this exhibition. You have begun a series of works to be exhibited at the Winter Pop-Up and in the gallery, and I
1: would love for you to share, Victoria, what we can expect to see in this latest series. Thank you. And I'm so excited to be uh, part of this exhibition in Malmo. And it's been really wonderful to create a series uh, that's going to be in the exhibition. So what I'm preparing is actually uh, five paintings in a series of, of landscapes. Very field-based, quite dreamy landscapes where quite quite vast so that you will a little bit hopefully be able to have a sense of being a little bit lost somewhere or being able to be just drawn into a landscape. Um, Like I say before, it doesn't have to be any particular place, but more a feeling that you will get when you stand and you look at it. Your painting is a
0: fantastic addition to the gallery and our stable of abstract artists. Your work makes me feel like I can breathe a very deep breath and enjoy a long exhale when I view it. There is a modesty and honesty in your work, Victoria, which, as one of my clients expressed, captures a specific location paused in an uncomplicated moment in time, which I absolutely love that. And it relates very much to what you just expressed about it not having to be a specific location. It could be almost anywhere. I have shared some current available works on the website, along with Victoria's full artist profile. And I shall leave a link to this in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me, Victoria on the podcast, and sharing your thoughts about your painting. And I really look forward to meeting you again at our studio visit, which is planned for September. And I'll be sure to document and
1: share my findings when we meet. Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you for taking the time to, to talk with me today about this. It's been really wonderful. And I really look forward to Malmo. Well, in the show notes, I should be including links to the Instagram of
0: Victoria Curling Erickson and her artist page on the Nordic Arts Agency website, where you can view all the works we have discussed today. You can also view our events page, where you can find more information about the forthcoming winter art pop-up at Hansa, which opens in November. Victoria will also be exhibiting at the Affordable Arts Fair with her art collective in October, and the Nordic Arts Agency will also be there this year. So if you are located in Stockholm, there are a limited number of complimentary tickets available for the private view, which I think is on the 13th of October. And the afterwork on the 14th. So log on and get yours now. I shall leave a link to that in the show notes so you can come and meet Victoria and her art collective and the Nordic Arts Agency at the Affordable Arts Fair in Stockholm from October the 13th to the 17th, and that will take place in Nackerstrand. Thank you for joining me, and next time I shall be in conversation with sculptor Hugh Chapman. So until then, bye-bye. <laughs>